Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, election security in 2020, an update on the National Loon Center in Cross Lake, and the Gophers run away with the Outback Bowl. But first, when we look back on the political year of 2019, it's pretty easy to see it was all about 2020. And MNN's Bill Werner recounts the evidence. Donald Trump was 44,765 votes, one medium-sized Twin City suburb. Short of taking Minnesota's 10 electoral votes in the 2016 election, and the president ramped up his push in 2019 to try to avoid a similar outcome in 2020. Thank you, Minnesota. This is a great state. We are going to win this state in a very short period of time. Donald Trump and the Republicans need to remember Minnesota has the longest streak of any in the nation of voting for the Democratic presidential nominee. The Democrats' brazen attempt to overthrow our government will produce a backlash at the ballot box, the likes of which they have never, ever seen before in the history of this country. The president in his campaign for re-election zeroed in on one particular Democrat in Minnesota. Representative Omar blamed the United States for the terrorist attacks on our country, saying that terrorism is a reaction to our involvement in other people's affairs. The president's tweet that Omar and three other Democratic Congresswomen of color should go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came brought a surge of support at a rally in North Carolina. And it brought big-time pushback from the U.S. House, which voted along party lines to condemn the president's tweets as racist. Every single member of this institution, Democratic and Republican, should join us in condemning the president's racist tweets. I urge a unanimous vote. And yield back the balance of my... I was just going to give the General Speaker of the House if she would like to rephrase that comment. I have cleared my remarks with the parliamentarian before I read them. And take it. And I ask the words be taken down. I make a point of order the gentlewoman's words are unparliamentary and risk ready to be taken down. Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. This is a president who has overseen the most corrupt administration in our history. It is time for us to stop allowing this president to make a mockery out of our Constitution. It's time for us to impeach this president. Is this why we came here to serve? To trample on due process rights? To appease the new Democrat socialist base? A marathon eight-plus-hour debate in the United States House of Representatives on the articles of impeachment. Just this summer, over 90 Democrats voted to impeach the president for comments he made about the squad. So he makes comments about some other members of Congress who make a lot of comments about him, and 95 members vote to impeach the president of the United States. Republican whip Steve Scalise, Majority Leader Steny Hoyer responded, Democrats did not choose impeachment. We did not wish for it. (laughs) However, President Trump's misconduct has forced our constitutional republic to protect itself. Article 1 is adopted. 
The question. The yeas are 229. The nays are 198. Article 2 is adopted. We didn't lose one Republican vote. And, and three Democrats voted for us. One of those was Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson. I did not like at all what went on with this Russia situation and the um, stuff that was done, the Mueller report and all of that stuff when we had people on the news every night making proclamations that turned out not to be true. I think Peterson knows this is a district that Donald Trump carried by over 30 percent. To vote to impeach Trump before an election with that electorate would be a political death warrant for Colin Peterson. Carlson College analyst Stephen Shear. The Democrats always stick together. Now think of it. Three Democrats went over to our side. No Republicans. It's unheard of. Hamlin University analyst David Schultz says at some point there will probably be a trial in the U.S. Senate and the president will likely be acquitted. And then the question is, does that vindicate Trump and mobilize his base, or does it do a better job of mobilizing Democrats? And in particular, what about swing voters? Are they going to be um, angered by the what the Democrats did and then not vote for them and vote for the president? Are they going to um, be disgusted, let us say, with the president of the United States? And not turn out for him. You know, we have a lot of scenarios that are just hard to predict whether or not somebody would vote for the president or not vote for the president come 2020. And now that we are in 2020 and headed for November 3rd, will Minnesota have a bigger role in that election than its 10 electoral votes? Announce my candidacy for president of the United States. When Senator Amy Klobuchar entered the race on a cold and snowy day last February, the Democratic field was crowded. And it still is, as she gets ready for debate number seven later this month in Des Moines, the political center of Iowa's nation-leading caucuses, which happen next month. Many analysts give Klobuchar high marks for her performance in the last debate, for jumping into the fray when Elizabeth Warren blasted Pete Buttigieg for his recent fundraiser. It was held in a wine cave full of crystals and served $900 a bottle wine. Think about who comes to that. I am the, literally the only person on this stage who's not a millionaire or a billionaire. So if this is the problem with issuing purity tests, you cannot yourself pass. I did not come here to listen to this argument. I came here to make a case for progress, which is campaign finance reform. That means passing a constitutional amendment. Hamlin analyst David Schultz says for Klobuchar, who reached 10% in one Iowa poll, but has national numbers only in the 2 to 3% range. She has to do exceedingly well in Iowa. I do not think coming in fifth does it for her. She's going to have to come in in the top three in order to be able to, uh, to live on significantly beyond Iowa. I don't have a political machine. But what I do have is this. I have grit. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team, but I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. (sighs) 
We want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. As we begin 2020, election security remains a top concern of political leaders and voters. I spoke with Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon for an update on how things are looking in the new year as we head into a big November 2020 election. I am cautiously optimistic about where we are right now. Uh, For starters, this last year featured a uh, long legislative delay in authorizing our office to use funds that were made available to us by Congress and by the president. We finally, belatedly, got the legislature to agree to let us use those funds, and we have made the most of those funds um, in the last few months. Things like buying hardware and software and staffing up and recoding and reconfiguring some of our databases and hiring someone, a so-called cyber navigator, who will be the go-between linking our office and our partners in putting on elections at the counties, cities, and townships. Those are all steps we've taken to get ready for what will be a really, really big year. We've got a November general election, obviously big, and the focus of a lot of attention because it's a presidential contest. We'll have an August uh, primary, but then we'll have something special and new for Minnesota. On March 3rd, we're having a presidential nominating primary, uh, where candidates seeking their party's presidential nomina- nomination will be on the ballot. And that will be an extra test and sort of dress rehearsal for us as well. So the stakes are high generally, but now we have three statewide election contests, not just two. And that presents an extra challenge and opportunity for 2020. You know, I, I know that there is a, a court case going on with regard to getting information out to have people absentee vote for the uh, the. Uh, contest that you mentioned, the primary contest in March. I don't know how much you can talk about this, but where are we at with that? It sounds like we might be up against the uh, the clock here in terms of getting those things out for absentee voting. Right. Um, there are some uh, people who have sued the state of Minnesota uh, because they object to the way that the legislature wrote one particular part of the presidential nominating primary law. The way they wrote it was they gave the chairs of the major political parties uh, the choice of who gets to appear in Minnesota on the presidential primary ballot. And these folks taking the state to court have said that that's uh, wrong, that it's unconstitutional. If they win, and it's kind of a hurry-up process, but if they win, it could mean the delay of printing absentee ballots, which are supposed to be ready by January 17th. That's the first day of our absentee ballot period for the March 3rd presidential nominating primary. So if the folks who have sued win, it could mean a realistic delay in getting those uh, absentee ballots out on time. But we're not there yet. The Supreme Court is going to be hearing oral arguments, and uh, we should know oh, by the second week in January what's going to happen. How much of a setback would that be if it is delayed? 
Well, it would be a setback for voters who want to vote um, when they're entitled to under the law. Our law says that 46 days before any election, including this one, you can start to vote. You can vote absentee either by going to a city hall or a county office or having the ballot mailed to you where you live. And this would mean that for some days after January 17th, um, they'd have to wait to get those ballots because they'd have to be reprinted to allow for more candidates, candidates in addition to those that the two party chairs, or actually I should say up to four party chairs, major party chairs in Minnesota, um, said could be on the ballot. So we'll see. It will almost certainly mean a delay if the people suing win. Uh, with regard to election security, just because we've talked about this so often throughout the course of the year, is there anything, I know that you get updated fairly frequently uh, on a local level and then on a federal level, is there anything in particular that's popping up that you're concerned about that's shown up recently? Well, our next big intelligence briefing is going to be in mid-January, and it comes at a great time because it's just before the absentee ballot period will start in Minnesota for the presidential nominating primary. But based on the um, other briefings that we've gotten, and I'm just repeating here what's been said in public, so I'm not repeating anything I, I shouldn't repeat. Um, what the federal intelligence authorities have continued to tell us, like unanimously and repeatedly and recently, is that we should be on guard. That um, in 2020, it's another opportunity for adversaries of our country to try to mess with the instruments of our democracy and to try to somehow get in and to sow chaos and introduce doubt and all the rest. And so we're on it. We feel really good about where we are in terms of uh, our internal uh, kind of efforts in our office and our entire election system as well. Keep in mind, for the benefit of your listeners, Minnesota's a paper ballot state, and we're really lucky in that way. There are other states that are not. And the advantage of paper, of course, is that you can touch it and feel it and see it. And if anyone has any bad hunch or bad feeling or bad information out there about something that happened with the voting result, we can always go back and check. It's very easy to because we've got the paper. In some states, that's not the case. So that alone puts us in a really good position. It's not everything, but it puts us on really steady footing. All right, Mr. Secretary, good information. Anything else of significance you can think of to add? Just that Minnesota voters should uh, fasten their seatbelts. It's going to be a very interesting year with three major statewide contests starting on March 3rd, but really starting January 17th when all eligible Minnesotans can, if they wish to, start voting absentee for a presidential nominee of their chosen party. Thank you to my guest, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon. We'll check in with him again a little further down the road as we get closer to the 2020 election. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Construction of the $12 million National Loon Center in Cross Lake kicks off this year with a shore restoration project. Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. Officials plan to break ground on a new state-of-the-art facility that will include an indoor loon habitat attraction, a loon research center, offices and facilities for the Chamber of Commerce, and the United States Army Corps of Engineers. Joining me today to talk about the project is Chris Christofek, chairman of the Scientific Loon Council for the National Loon Center in Cross Lake, Minnesota. Chris, let's talk about how this vision came about. Well, it's been about three years in the planning stage. We've had several community meetings where input has been gathered about what the Loon Center should be, what it ought to look like, uh, and where it should be, where it should be constructed. 
along with the help of the University of Minnesota, we have done several in-depth uh, uh, studies, uh, including a, a feasibility study that found that the project is feasible, that it will sustain itself over time, uh, and uh, the community, for the most part, has backed it uh, completely. It's going to be constructed on the Army Corps of Engineer campground site uh, at the Cross Lake Dam or the Pine River Dam on the on Cross Lake. We're, we hope to start construction 2020 with a shoreline restoration project. Uh, about 3,100 feet of shoreline will be restored to its natural condition. A new uh, docks and slip systems will be installed. And then uh, hopefully in 2021, we will break ground on a 15,000 square foot, $12 million totally sustainable National Loon Center. Uh, it will be a, an interactive educational destination that uh, transforms uh, champions for loons and, uh, and for freshwater. We have two initiatives. One is the National Freshwater Institute. The other is the Scientific Loon Council, uh, of which I'm the chairman of, which is surrounded by experts in their field uh, that will help us uh, present scientific-based facts rather than myths and legends and superstitions along the way. So it's, it's really exciting. We have a great group of people who are, are really pulling forward to make all of this happen, and it's just an exciting time for all of us. And, you know, when we talk about the loon, which is our state bird, um, I think I had read an article, I don't know, a few weeks ago that uh, the, the loons may be extinct from Minnesota down the road. Is there any truth to that? There's, there's probably some truth to it if you, if you can t- define down the road. The loon population in Minnesota is currently stable. It's not growing and it's not declining. However, if habitat changes uh, occur and we eliminate the nesting and territorial grounds for loons, uh, yeah, there could be some, there could be some shrinking of, of the loon population. Uh, Chris, wanted to ask you, who do you envision um, using the National Loon Center? Is it going to be open to the public, students? How is this going to work? It will be open to everyone, and our vision is that it will be a family-friendly destination that will have interactive uh, displays. It will have virtual reality. Uh, So we want to focus on, of course, the loon, but make it so that it's understandable to youngsters, uh, to adults, and to scientists. And, you know, too, I was on your website uh, looking at it, and the facility looks just amazing. I mean, it's really high-tech, state-of-the-art, would you say? Oh, I think it's going to be beyond high-tech. I think it's, it'll be one-of-a-kind. Uh, we are very fortunate to have some very brilliant minds in our area who are helping us design the facility. It has changed a bit in design over time, and it's likely to change again before we really get it completed. But Basically, it's going to be a, it'll be a two-story building with offices and exhibit space. Uh, it'll have a, a, a refreshment center. It will have meeting rooms um, and then displays of loons. The only thing that will be missing in the, in the National Loon Center is live loons because the, the, the loons do not uh, live well in captivity. They, uh, they acquire a, uh, a nasal fungus. Uh, that disturbs their breathing apparatus, uh, and they, they wither away and, and do not survive uh, in captivity. So we will not have live loons, but we're, we will have uh, uh, loons that have been 
uh, preserved through taxidermy on display, and we'll have pictures and video, and and the real big thing is going to be a virtual reality immersion where you will be the loon uh, and be able to see what's happening underwater as if you were the loon. Thanks again to my guest, Chris Christofek, chairman of the Scientific Loon Council for the National Loon Center in Cross Lake, Minnesota. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters after this. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Golden Gopher football team rang in the new year with an historic victory. Reporter J.W. Cox has the details. It was a golden new year for Gopher football as they celebrated an Outback Bowl title and accomplished something that hadn't been done by a Minnesota football team since Teddy Roosevelt was in the White House. Gives to Ibram, has a sliver of space inside the 10 on the seat, 5, touchdown, Minnesota Golden Gophers. Knicks wants to throw, flush from the pocket left, waiting, hit, down he goes inside the 20 at the 18. They're looking, touchdown, touchdown, one-handed catch, Johnson. 1.43 to go. Auburn with one timeout left. Snap to Morgan. Hand off Ibrahim. Waving his way right side. Getting behind the stack, which is pushed for a first down to the nine-yard line. There's the final kneel down. And Minnesota has knocked off Auburn in the Outback Bowl in Tampa. Golden Gophers 31. The Auburn Tigers 24. Minnesota has 11 wins. And what a way to start 2020. Our own Mike Grimm on the Gopher Radio Network call. 11 wins in a season for the Gophers for the first time since 1904. Head coach P.J. Fleck reacted to one of the biggest victories in his time leading the program. This one's really special. You know, there was so much adversity all year, whether it's uh, you know Casey O'Brien's cancer battle, uh, fifth time he's been through that whether that's been through some injuries or whether that's you know having two tough losses towards the end of the year losing a coordinator losing a d-line coach having people step in but this is what this program's about just keep your oar in the water and just keep moving forward had Kamal out today and Daniel Falele out today and our guys just continue to row I'm really proud of them um, I'm just so humbled to be a head football coach at University of Minnesota senior linebacker Carter Coughlin part of a core of leadership that is stuck through multiple coaching changes as well as trauma on and off the field for the program says the team beat Auburn the same way they approach every day 
with toughness. We respond. As a team, we respond. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if there's an interception, turnover, if the defense blows up coverage, whatever. We respond no matter what. And that's what you saw today. Throughout the day, things went wrong, but we responded every single time. Another senior, wide receiver Tyler Johnson, had a big day in the Outback Bowl. He tallied 204 receiving yards and two touchdowns, including what proved to be the winner in the fourth quarter. Smith the back in the backfield. Next to Morgan. Two receivers wide to the right. That's the wide side of the field. Morgan on the run pass option wants to throw. Does over the middle. He's got Johnson alone. Caught on the run. 30, 20, 10. Touchdown. In the game, Johnson set the all-time go for mark for receptions and scoring by a wide receiver. Says his performance and the team's win on New Year's just icing on the cake for a tremendous season and a tremendous team. Something I always dreamed of. You know, I dreamed of just being the best me I possibly could be, you know, so it's a blessing, but I couldn't have done it without my teammates. You know, um, hats off to all those guys. We definitely can't do it without the offensive line. The tight ends, everybody just did their job. We put a lot of hard work in, you know. The senior class has been through a lot, you know, and so it's just a blessing to do the things that we're doing, you know, and um, I'm happy for this program. This program's going in the right direction. Coughlin agreed with Johnson and noted that the win proved the senior class accomplished their mission of leaving the program in a better place than they found it. Man, there's no better way to finish. This is, this is exactly what we wanted to do. This is how the senior class is going out. Shout out to all the young boys. They finished this season the right way. They're going to get a jump start in next year. And, man, we took care of business. For Fleck, the performance by Johnson solidified the Minnesota native's place in go for history. I think he's the greatest receiver ever to play at the University of Minnesota. And uh, I think he proved that again tonight because this is on the ultimate stage and one of the ultimate bowl games you can be in. And uh, not only did he perform, he performed on a level that changed his best and he even made a better performance than he did all, did all year. Uh, and you need your players to play that big. And he did. And he deserves everything he's gotten here. I know North Minneapolis is very proud of him, that he represents them, uh, especially in the, the whole state of Minnesota. Um, but he's uh, he's an ultimate gopher. But not just Johnson. Flex says the entire senior class stepped up this season to show what it means to be a gopher. We said that, you know, the old Bo Schembechler line, you know, those who stay will be champions. And we said that year one. And I know we weren't Big Ten champions this year, uh, but we were co-Big Ten West champs. And I'm going to say that until they put me in the ground. And uh, people, can keep, people can fight that all they want. We were. We had the same record. Head-to-head -head competition. I get that. But we were. Just didn't get to represent it in the, in, in the Big Ten championship. Uh, but I, I thought we proved tonight that we're a really good football team. And... Uh, you know, where we're heading into the future. There was also a nod from the head coach to the sea of maroon and gold rooters that made the trek to Tampa. I want to thank our fans for coming out here. I mean, it was maroon and gold everywhere. It felt like a home game. Um, and again, I hope people understand the Gophers travel, and I thought we proved that today. And for Fleck, who clearly savored every bit of the win, he still is focused on using it as another step to bigger and better for the Gopher football program. We talked prior to this about, you know, becoming a blue blood. You know, we were a blue blood back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and, you know, that's a blue blood out there that we beat, and you got to give them a lot of credit. They're a really good football team. That was a very, very difficult game to play, coach, uh, but you got to give a lot of credit to everybody. This is all for our players. Our staff did a great job of game planning. I'm just proud of them. A proud coach and historic team, all with a New Year's Day Bowl trophy, rowing their way back to the University of Minnesota. Scott Yuma, Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station. <laughs>